The following is a King's Chapel, Alaska presentation with Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passions making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's call and help us be the personal, powerful, permeating church God's called us to be. For more information, visit kcalaska.com or find us on Facebook. Here's Pastor Daniel. Matthew chapter 21. I'm going to try to be as sweet as I possibly can, but... I am absolutely after something. Appreciate our worship team. Thank you so much. Matthew 21, find verse 12. Jesus entered the temple area and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches, or another version says, the seats, which I prefer, and the seats of those selling doves. Let's stop there. Father, thank you for what you're going to do. Move in power. Amen. You may be seated. I felt very impressed by the Holy Spirit to preach the message I'm preaching to you. I put up a little Facebook thing to try to encourage folks to be here. And if you, if you can't be here, to, maybe you're online or you'll listen later. Because I believe that this evening's message is a message that the Spirit of God is trumpeting all over the earth, but especially in the Western world. And I have uh, entitled it, Uncaging the Dove. Let me first of all say, can you close the doors to the lobby, please? And uh, turn off the TV out there, too. Oh, yeah. I want to tell you that most of my discipleship well, I probably can't say it that way. In the early years of my salvation and, and growing in the knowledge of God, and I'm probably still in those. But in the very, everybody say very early. Most of my discipleship came because I never missed a service. You couldn't get us out of, you couldn't get Pastor Karen and I out of church. We, we, we were like, we were like the, you know, the just permanent fixtures. I mean, we would be there early. We would stay there late. They, they would oftentimes have to ask us to leave or pry us off of the carpet. I mean, year after year after year after year, because every time we came, something would happen. I, so every time we came to service, and I would say nearly, there were times that my heart was jacked up and I wasn't in a place of receiving and I was bitter and angry and I just couldn't really receive what the Lord wanted to do. But most of the time I came by God's grace, hungry, thirsty, and the Lord would meet me with the very word I needed to hear. Now here's the thing. Many times the word I needed to hear wasn't even the one that preached, but when he preached it, it became the one I needed to hear. I mean, many times the word would go forth and the Lord would, the Lord would customize it and, and, and tailor it right to my heart so I would get what I need to move me to the next level. And I would say things to Dr. Morocco, who's my pastor and our senior pastor over our worldwide work, over 140 extensions I think now and I would thank him for what he preached and he would smile and say well I don't really recall saying that and I've had that happen too where I've preached to people and people said oh thank you so much for that word that you gave him I don't recall ever saying that in fact that wasn't the message now I'd go back and listen to it and that's not what I said at all but it was absolutely scriptural for them and they got touched I'm going to tell you tonight not just tonight every time we gather together if you will position your heart that this could be the service that changes your life changes your family changes your heart changes the region changes the church that God would through the service that you're in give you what you need to move you forward in destiny then I'm going to tell you according to your faith it'll be done unto you in every single service there really is a now word being preached no matter who's preaching it's all dependent on you let's look at this 
There is a theological principle called the law of first reference. Another way of saying it is the law of first mention. And what that is is whenever a topic or a subject is discussed for the first time in Scripture, then it sets many times a precedent throughout all of Scripture. So tonight I want to look at the dove for a moment. And the first mention of the dove is found, does anybody know? At, in Genesis, during the flood. Now it's interesting to note, now I'm just gonna just kind of rattle on for a while, try to take notes, receive everything. I might end up preaching and running across the pews because I'm pretty fired up about this evening's message. The ark is, had three levels to it. It's rectangular. It had no sail. It had no rudder. God moved the ark. God moved it wherever he wanted to. In fact, there were no boats before the ark. Noah was, come on, some of you are in a position where you're like, I need a professional. Noah didn't even know what a boat was. He was a novice, built the first boat, worked pretty good, saved the known world. And it was moved by the waters and by the wind as God directed. I will tell you, if you'll be moved by the spirit as God directs you, then you'll have freedom and you'll make it through the storm. The ark had three levels to it at a bottom level, and by what we understand, and some of it, some of it we're guessing a little bit, but I mean, there's animals on the lower level, animals and food on the middle level, and then on the top level was mostly for Noah. And then on the very top, there was a, it's a Hebrew word called Zohar. It's a, a word for a door or for a window or in other words, uh, illumination, it can mean that. And so when Noah came to a place where the, he had one of the send out birds, he sent out two different birds to determine whether his, the time of flooding and being in the ark was going to be over. So he sent out a bird. One bird was a what? It was a raven. Ravens eat dead stuff. Ravens are kind of, you'll see them by the side of the road eating dead things. They're, they're really a nasty kind of a bird. They've made a huge mess for us in the back of the church and we've contemplated shooting them, but it's illegal. <laughs> and then he sent out another bird, which is a dove. For starters, there's two kinds of Christians. There's raven Christians. The Lord, told, the Lord said this to me today. There's raven Christians and there's dove Christians. This is just bonus. Raven Christians pick on each other, pick on dead stuff. They backbite according to Galatians. They're always looking for something to land on to eat. They, but doves aren't like that. Doves, come on, there's dove Christians. They want the peace. They want the, they want the joy. They want the hope, the patience, the peace, the, the, the goodness of God. Dove, dove type Christians. And so the first mention of a dove you see in scripture is right there where Noah sends this dove out. And doves are interesting because from there on you see a dove as a type and a shadow. Even in the book of Matthew and other places you see the Holy Spirit came and like a dove. The Holy Spirit is not a dove, but the dove is a picture of the Holy Spirit. So he sends out the dove and it eventually returns with an olive branch because doves land on live things and brings back an olive branch. And even to this day, the olive branch is a picture of peace. Even to this day, world leaders will give an olive branch. It comes from Genesis. And I want to tell you that when you have peace, you know the storm is over. The peace that passes all understanding. When you pray and be anxious for nothing, but by prayer and petition, make your request known to God and the peace of God will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. So you know that when you have peace after you've prayed, you've got the victory. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? If when you're praying, if when you're in a storm, if when you're in a flood, you are filled with strife and you're worried, you ain't done praying yet. If the devil's still bothering you in the midst of your storm, then you're not done resisting. We like saying it that way. If he's still around after you bind and you lose time to bind and loose again. If he's still harassing you in the midst of your flood, in the midst of the storm, and you don't know how to make it, then you're not done. You're not done praying. You're not done believing. You're not done taking authority over the enemy. But when the peace comes, you know you've made it through. You might be troubled 15 minutes later, and then it's time to pray again. In real, in real heavy battles, that's the way that is. So you see this dove. It's interesting also to note that the, that the dimensions of the ark 
are in like a, a miniature form, if you will, of the tabernacle of Moses. There is the outer courts where the animals would be slaughtered. Then there's the, 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 uh, the holy place, the inner courts. And then there's the holy of holies. And the door, if you will. Wow. God wants to tonight to bring you to a new place of freedom. If you're a raven Christian, he wants to set you free. If you're a dove type believer, well, good. That's a good thing. If you enjoy peace, that's good. We have a zero strife policy here in the church. What do you mean by that? It's on staff, it's in my family, it's in this house. We don't allow for strife. If somebody wants to call strife, then we're gonna fix it. We're gonna help them get over it. And sometimes you need to help people right out the front door or the back door, giving them the right foot of fellowship. <laughs> in the spirit. See, some people have never been told, don't eat dead stuff, don't pick on people, don't get, get out of the flesh and, and learn to walk in the fruit of the spirit. You know, another interesting thing about doves, and I've talked about this just recently, the Middle Eastern dove, particularly representing the Holy Spirit, has nine wing feathers. There's nine gifts of the Spirit, nine fruits of the Spirit, right? And it has five tail feathers all balancing it out, the fivefold of Ephesians. Some, he gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, teachers, evangelists, right? Pastors for the work of ministry, equip the saints for the work of ministry. Then you have the nine gifts of the Spirit, although there's really more than nine, but it's interesting. It's also interesting to note, intriguing in fact, that the wings of a Middle Eastern dove all point to the head. Do you know there is no other bird that does that has wings like that? Go, go look at it. It's interesting. Doves are also interesting and they mate for life. And after that, if they lose their spouse, it's over. They're not having another spouse. Can I say it that way? Spouse. Mating partner. I like spouse better though. The Song of Solomon says he the dove's eyes. It's interesting to note also that Middle Eastern doves can be scared once, twice, and after three times it's not coming back. I've shared that with you before. They won't land on troubled water. They won't land in, in chaotic places. And so oftentimes we want the Holy Spirit to move in our lives. We're filled with chaos. We're filled with strife. And we're filled with trouble. I'm going to tell you that if you're filled with trouble, filled with strife, and filled with chaos, you're not going to have the Holy Spirit come and rest on you. And so oftentimes in churches, yeah, I've just been really grieved over a number of things that have been revealed to me and, and then the Lord convicting me of my own, my own role in quenching him. What do you mean your own role? Listen, it, it, every time I preach to you, I had somebody say, oh, pastor, good message. I said, dude, I'm preaching to myself. I'm preaching to myself. The Holy Spirit moves in me, convicts me, rebukes me. How many of you glad for that? Come on, if you're not chastised, then, then you're illegitimate. There's another name for that, but people would get offended. If you're being correct, listen, everyone ought to have been corrected by the Lord today. You walked past that trash, he told you to pick it up, but you blew it off. That the, the very simple things of the Lord, you know, you want, him to trust, you want him to trust you with the big, giant vision, but the small whispers of the Lord you don't obey, and you wonder where the, you wonder where the breakthrough is. In Matthew chapter 3, we see... And this is not an exhaustive study on the dove. I'm going to get to Matthew 21 in a second. But in Matthew chapter 3, we see John the Baptist. He suddenly appears on the scene. And he's baptizing, he's baptizing people there in the Jordan. And one day, a suntan Nazarene shows up. And it's his cousin. How many of you know John the Baptist is Jesus' cousin? And he baptizes Jesus. How many of you know what Jesus' Hebrew name is? Yeshua. Say it. Yeshua. There's another Yeshua in Scripture. We, call, we say it this way, Joshua. 
So you could say that Jesus' Hebrew name is Joshua, but the proper pronunciation, as I understand it, is Yeshua. So there's another Yeshua in Scripture, and that's the leader that took over from Moses. He was the aide of Moses. The Bible tells us that he was filled with wisdom because Moses laid his hands on him. I want hands laid on me as much as possible from every anointed, wisdom-filled leader that I possibly can. You always want to get prayer because you just don't know what could happen in a moment of contact and transference. The anointing is transferable. Yes. And really the picture is, if Moses didn't lay his hands on him, he would have been dumb as a box of rocks. I mean, that's kind of the picture. How many of you know a box of rocks is pretty stupid? <laughs> amen. Come on, say amen. amen. And so Joshua takes over, and they cross the Jordan. And, and I'm paraphrasing here, but they send the ark. There would be about a... A thousand yards away, I believe. I didn't need to go look. And they send the ark and the waters part. And they pile up in a heap all the way to the city of Adam. Adam. And they're cut off all the way to the Dead Sea. And they cross over on dry ground. And everybody's terrified. Promised land's freaked out. Jericho has soiled themselves because here comes God's people. They're stricken with fear. They cross over, and as they're crossing over, God basically tells them, take 12 stones from the Jordan and put it on, on the, in the promised land, and tell, take uh, 12 other stones and put it in the middle of the Jordan. And so they cross over. Now they knew where that was. They knew where that place was even in Jesus' time. They knew where that location was. They knew where altars were. And so 1,500 years later, Jesus comes to John the Baptist, who is in a place called Ben-Arubah. It is the exact same location of the crossing of the children of Israel. And the picture is to me, as Jesus is being baptized by John the Baptist, that he's in the same place that the Jordan parted. And it's a, it's a type and a shadow. Yeshua crossed through and rolled back the waters. Joshua crossed through, rolled back the waters to Adam and cut it all the way off to the Dead Sea. Now, Jesus, Yeshua, our hero, our Savior, is being baptized in the same place, signifying that sin came through one man, Adam, and left or would leave through another. His name is Yeshua. I'll save my people from their sins. That's what that name means. And it's a picture that he basically rolled back to all those who would believe all of the sin of mankind to as many as believe. He gave them the right to become children of God all the way to Adam, breaking the curse of sin and throwing it as far as the east is from west into the Dead Sea, can somebody say amen? amen. And so he gets baptized and, the, and this dove comes. Like a dove, the Holy Spirit, like a dove. The, the Holy Spirit is not a dove. Say to your neighbor, the Holy Spirit is not a dove. And this dove comes and lands on, on Jesus. And so in the day of Christ, and even prior, the priesthood was quite corrupted. People were in the, I'm sure you had those who were doing it right and all that, but you could read the book of Malachi if you're an Italian, Malachi if you're not. You could read other places where there's corruption and they're constantly being corrected by the prophet, constantly being uh, straightened out by, by him. They were bringing lame offerings. They would, they would not give the first fruits. They would not give the best of the flock. They would give the lame ones. And they were not worshiping God in a prescribed way that would bring him honor. Well, the same is true in Jesus' day. The same is true in Jesus' day. And so here he comes to cleanse the temple, and there's these money changers. The money changers are legit. They're, they're ordained by the Lord. You see, there could be no money that could be offered there at the temple that was not temple money because money that came out from outside the temple, was it had idols stamped on it. It had all kinds of stuff. You had to change your money. Anybody ever get go to another nation? They're exchanging money right about now in Chile, maybe. And you know, you want to get a good exchange rate. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? You want to like a dollar to be high, that kind of thing. You understand. So when they would come, the money changers were legitimate and sanctioned by God. But the problem was the money changers were ripping off the worshipers. 
And so they would get a horrible exchange rate and it was a major problem. And so Jesus comes, look at your text with me. He entered the temple courts, pardon me. Jesus entered the temple area and drove out all who were buying and selling there. So it's not just money changing going on, there's commerce there. And it's people making money off of these who've came, come to worship God. I will tell you in the church today, though not this church, so help me God, Amway. I don't think there's anything wrong with multi-level marketing. There's something very wrong if you utilize the relationships that you have in Christ to make money for yourself. And I know that many people will justify and say, well, I want to do it to help them because they need help. But really the main drive I've found is greed for most people, and I'm sure there's some exceptions. I've had some horrible experiences, multi-level marketing. Don't you get relationships in here, make it your first go-to as your downline, because you'll get corrected. I, I just bothers the life out of me. I could go on to tell stories. Okay, I will. I've told it before, but Pastor Karen was in the altar. God was healing her, setting her free. It's before we were married. She was up front on the right-hand side and, and just weeping. I mean weeping like, you know, Weeping, running, running nose. You know, not the cute kind of crying. I mean, like, messed up. And somebody came to help her. You know, got another, you know, a mother in Israel, praise God. And helped her and like, let's go back, sweetheart, to the bathroom and let's help you. God's so good. God's so good. You know, praise God when he touches you like that. They go back to the bathroom and fix her mascara. And after they fixed her mascara, this lady says, as they're wiping away tears, and says, you know, sweetheart, let me tell you about something. I have this business, and I, I really want you to be a part of it. I mean, what? And I actually, I think what it was was... <clears throat> You pay money every month and you get a free lawyer. I think it was, that was, there's been so many. There's been so many. Has anybody ever heard of that one? And then you have constant attorney advice anytime you want it. And tried to make her a part of her downline to sell attorney, you know, and it's attorney thing while she's wrecked in the spirit. Talk about, talk about bounce you out and just wonder where, what? It was a leader. I just, I heard about that. I had the spirit of slap come all over me. And then, how many of you know what the spirit of slap is? Just think. The truth is, that person was just bound. That person was just a money changer. Well, don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. It was just somebody that was utilizing the anointing in a situation to create for them wealth. And listen, it's not just wealth. It can curry favor or, or to stroke your own ego or to get a pat on the back because you were there or you saw it or you facilitated it or you were the one that brought the prophetic word or you were the one that prayed. You know, we're supposed to be friends of the bridegroom. You are not the bridegroom. I'm not the bridegroom. My job, my job is not to get you to fall in love with me. God, God forbid. What a twisted thought that is. My job is to make Jesus look good, have him use me like a mailman so that when you get impacted, you fall in love with Jesus. And there's so many pastors across the land that want people to be addicted to their teaching, addicted to their praying, addicted to the anointing that's upon their life, but never teach anybody to really be connected to the head. Jesus. And there's a lot of great pastors too. I'm not saying there aren't. I just can't stand the other thing. And I'm thankful for your love for me and my wife. I'm not saying that either, but very grateful. So Jesus comes and he overturns the tables of those who were, those who were buying and selling. Yeah, I think he seems a little ticked off. You know, he didn't walk in all cute. You know, God gets angry. His wrath was released upon his son, Jesus. He was crucified. I've heard many people say, and I've said it myself, God is not angry. He's in a good mood. He's in a good mood unless you're selling money, unless you're a money changer. You know, unless you're, unless you're buying and selling on his account. 
riding his coattails to ingratiate yourself a good favor or line your pockets. He overturned the tables of the money changers. All right, so he kicked out those who were buying and selling. He overturned that that must have been awesome. Coins flying everywhere. Coins and money all up in the air. And then you have everybody else just hitting the, hitting the floor to get it. Get it! You know, it's can you imagine just thousands of dollars just being thrown out? He just have people just be like, ah, making a dying play. Get the dollars, steal the money, right? That, that, that's what happens. This is a scene of utter chaos in the temple. Listen, when you, read the, when you read the word of God, don't just read it like, and then Jesus flipped the money changer tables, and then, then he went and he says, nice little Jesus, Jesus, baby Jesus. He made a cat of nine tails. He made a whip. Man, it must have been fun to hang with Jesus. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Oh, it's Sabbath day. Praise God. We're going to mess up the Sabbath police today. Wow. Where are the Pharisees and the, and the Sadducees and the couldn't sees and the wouldn't sees? Where are they all? Because I can't wait to see what Jesus is going to do. Woo! Come on, Jesus. What's going on? Listen, church ought to be a lot of fun. And the text talks about, talks about, look with me. And the benches or the seats of those selling doves. Purifying the temple. And I think that Jesus really didn't like those guys even more. There were men who were controlling the dove. There are people that are sitting even here tonight, perhaps, or online tonight, that just really don't want the Lord to move all that much. I've been in services where people just want three points and a, and a closing prayer just shut up so I can go home and stuff my face with some ice cream and a brownie and go back to work tomorrow, and watch TV. And If you have a spirit of control, you will hate this church. And furthermore, you will despise the moving of the spirit of God. I'm not saying we have a corner of it. I think we're like really need a lot of growth. Uh, I need a lot. Does anybody else besides me need a lot of help? I need more help than I ever have before. Amen. 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 See, the day you think you arrived and you're filled with pride and stuff, and I'm going to tell you, there's a whole nother level. No man has reached up to receive all that Jesus has to offer. So even if you are filled and on fire and casting out devils and healing the sick, you still just got to drop. Come on, there's another. It's just an Arabon. It's a down payment of the greater things to come. That's all. We don't ever think that we got there. We didn't. We're partially backslidden. Come on, somebody say, Jesus, help us. Do you understand what I'm saying? There has to be a, there has to be a, it should always be in your heart. Uh, blessed are those who mourn. That's a mourning for your sin and a hungering, a thirst for God. We need God. We need him. No matter what level of power and anointing and miracles, it's nothing compared to what the whole enchilada is and what God wants to release in the earth. But if you don't position yourself to contend like a, like a heavyweight fighter for the power of God, then you can end up staying at a certain level and really never moving on into all that God has. He wants to bring you from glory to glory. And if you think you're walking in it, you're deceived. There's a whole nother level. And he'll offend your heart to reveal, he'll offend your mind to reveal your heart so he can do something in you to change you, to set you more on fire than you've ever been before. We owe the earth a manifestation of his glory. He died on a cross and rose again from the grave and came and filled your heart, filled my heart with the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Why? So that we could do the same work that Jesus did, but many people have caged a dove. They don't really want him to move. I want you to put that up for me. Do I have my, my audio video? But go ahead, throw it on the screen. You may or may not be aware, and I, I, I'm, 
I'm poking fun for sure. The, no, no, the, the Maylene thing. Thank you, May. This is a, uh, it is fictitious. Okay, so it's something we pulled off the net as an example, off the web as an example. Let me tell you what it is. This is uh, weekend gatherings for a particular church that doesn't exist. And it's a, a program that's used to organize church services. Okay, so let's just, can you see it from back there? Can you? Okay, so it's uh, April 5th. There's two services here at the top, 9.30 a.m. and 11.30 a.m., right? So 7 a.m. they have tech set up. That means all the sound people come in and they get everything ready and uh, all, the, all, the, uh, all the video and all of that. 8 a.m. they have rehearsal. How many of you know what kind of rehearsal that is? That's a worship rehearsal. They have worship team come, tune up, sound guy. We, we do that too. 9 a.m., all teams pre-show meeting. That's interesting, the word show. Yeah. 9.15 to 10.45, the doors open. In other words, the doors are closed until 9.15, 10.45, doors open. Uh, pardon me, 9.15, they open for the, uh, for the 9.30 and 10.45. You, so you got two services. You following me? <laughs> Music team on stage at 9.29 or at the 11 o'clock, 10.59. Worship team, everybody's got to be on, on stage. All right, music, I don't know what that means. All right, verbal worship leader, welcome. That's like the pastor, Alex, the worship leader says, we're so glad you're come to worship. Stand up, let's pray, and they open up. Okay, keep scrolling up a little bit. Does it scroll? Okay, so uh, it goes on to give a message. Kevin Young is a non, it's a non-entity. This is, this is, a, this is a, just an example of a church that doesn't exist, but it's an accurate example of what happens nearly in every single church. Right. And I'm going somewhere with this. Actually, I think we could use a little bit of this ourselves because we don't have any of it. <laughs> Dude, it gets a little challenging, you know, if you have dignitaries or the mayor's here or somebody. You know, there's, there's certain protocols and services to be polite, to honor guests and, and pastors that are there and to acknowledge people that are maybe lost a loved one. And sometimes it can get a little technical and you better have a list or you're going to lose track and then somebody's going to get offended. Are you all following me? Yeah. And that's horrible. We never want to offend. But there's an interesting thing about this. So we have the, the, the speaker, Kevin Young. We have another worship song. They take the offering at the end. You know what's in there? Oh, shutdown. Yeah, shutdown would be appropriate. That's the final line. And they want the Holy Spirit to move. I'm going to tell you, if you are so caged in and so structured that you don't allow for the Holy Spirit to move, then he'll move in whatever, whatever structure you give him. Because he, he wants to move. So he'll, move, he'll use all of these things. Somebody said, well, we should just do away with it all. And just... No, we should. And the reason we shouldn't is because there's a fallenness of mankind and you need to have structure. Paul talks about that. But there ought to be a, a holy chaos, if I can quote our, our beloved friend, at times where we just let God come and the dove fly around in freedom. There, there ought to be that. There ought to be times where we just let go of the structure and we try to do that in worship. We did it tonight. He said, you did it on purpose because you're preaching. it. Yeah, I know. Uh, we do it frequently. Because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And the real definition and understanding in the Greek is where the Holy Spirit is, is allowed to be Lord, then there's freedom. And so Jesus overturns these money changers, those who buy and sell, and he removes the benches of those who were selling doves. Bench or seat is a place of authority. The seat of the government. You can go and do a, a study on seat or bench. He removes the seat. I want to tell you what the Holy Spirit said to me over the past few days. That the Lord is going to be dealing with places and structures that are trying to control his spirit. And he's going to remove the seats. He's going to remove those in authority that control. You say, in this house, 
imagine, I'm not sure what that looks like. <laughs> Help me, Jesus. Let me be sensitive, Lord. I don't want to lock up your dove. I don't want to lock up the Holy Spirit. Because you can have, you know, we're so proud of our Pentecostalism, but it's really the same thing. It's, we have a Pentecostal liturgy. Right. No, how many of you know we have a, we, you know what a liturgy is? It's the order of a service, a structured thing. We have that. We took our, we had our announcements, we have our greeting, we, and those things are important. But if you don't allow for the Holy Spirit to come and flow and move, then you're not going to get the freedom. I didn't even finish the text, but we're about to. If you're hating what I'm saying right now, you might have a dove issue. There's people in churches with their attitudes. They don't want God to move. They, they don't want the power of God. I remember years ago, we were in Kauai, and I know, I know Pastor Vince remembers because we've talked about it before. We are on Kauai, and I don't remember exactly how it all went, but um, a measure of the glory of God came to such a degree that there wasn't anybody really standing that I recall, few people. I remember the moment for me. I mean, the power of God came and it was so, I just, I thought, I just didn't know what was going to happen. I started getting, a, I started getting a scared. Yeah. Scared. Yeah. Like I started to be like, oh, 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 oh. You know, it's just a natural thing. You just start kind of getting a little bit lower. Because you're like, oh, 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 it's, oh it's, God. it's not just, it's not just goosebumps. I think, I think God's here. God's here. And it's kind of like, get down. No, really, that's the way that is. Yeah. And it's kind of like everybody starts getting low, and I'm kind of semi-scared, but I'm leading the service. And while that's happening, I just said, Lord, Lord. And I, I, I started backing away, like, go ahead, go ahead. I'm just bad. My, my, my response was to back up. And I said, Lord, Lord, what do you want me to do? I didn't know what to do. Because I know you can mess it up. How many of you know you can mess up the dove? How many know you can mess up what the Holy Spirit wants to do? You just need to get in your flesh. You just need to be a raven again, and we've got a problem. Or you can get in the flesh and take it and try to glorify yourself. He's gone. I've been in places where it was like the power of God, but there was no power. In other words, there's a shaking, there's a hurting, there's a jerking, there's, a, there's testimonies, and there's zeal and fire, but no anointing. It freaked me out. It was like Stepford Wives. I saw that before I got saved. <laughs> Don't go Google it and look it up. It's totally tormented. Blake. So I start backing up. I'm like, oh, God, what do you, what, what do you want me to do? And I remember I faded left just like that. And the Lord spoke to me and said, you can take the service and it'll be good. Or you can let me have it. That's what he said to me. And so at that, I said, oh, go ahead. You know, I mean, what are you going to say? Oh, thank you. I've got it. This is going to be good. I mean, how stupid would that be? So I, I backed away and I said, please take the service. At that moment, I saw, this is my experience. I saw like a blue flash, like an orb fly off to the right hand side. And then I saw one off to the left and it was sheer, holy terror, joy, crazy. I don't know. And it was in that service that on the back row were three transvestites or maybe just one, two, and just one normal gay person. I just, it's just bondage. We, we love people. We, lo we love people. I'm not saying anything other than what happened is as that took place. They screamed. They screamed. Ah! They screamed, got up, and ran full dead sprint out of the church while everybody hit the deck. And I don't even know what that was about, but I do know that I believe one of those brothers, one of those guys, one of those guys came back to the church, gave his heart to Jesus, and his name is Patrick, and he became one of our leaders, got totally set free. He's a tremendous worship leader, went to Bible school. Come on, I think he's back in Kauai now, and you helped disciple him, didn't you, Pastor Vince? Come on! Come on, somebody say hallelujah! We need to uncage the dove. And in your own life, what are you so worried about, about how you look? 
You know, the, the two grandmas had prayed for revival. It's a true story in, in Northern California. Cried out for revival. When revival came, people getting baptized in the Spirit, praying in tongues, and they were so mad because they didn't believe in praying in tongues. So they, people bap, getting baptized, praying in tongues, all these hippies coming in, and they left the church hot mad because we want a revival, not that. Listen, if you have an opinion about what revival is, listen, just read your Bible, and if it's in there, then accept that as what it could be. And it, All right, there's not going to be any barking dog chicken revival, okay? That's not going to happen. Everybody starts barking. That's not going to happen. It's not biblical. It's not going to be like the animal revival. The who's who in the charismatic zoo. No, it's going to be a, a dimension of his power. But whether they're shaking or laughing or standing or crying or crawling or weeping or deep repentance, I don't know how all that's all going to come. Only I know this. I know that if we'll allow the Holy Spirit to move in our midst and move in our homes and move at work, if we'll allow him to move in Fred Myers and move in Walmart, if we'll allow the Holy Spirit to be uncaged and not be so blasted controlling. Come on. Come on. I had a dream. Ah, have a dream. <laughs> no, I, I had one. I do have one, but I'm talking about a dream I, I had. And in that dream, I'm dressed in my finest clothes. I've got my favorite suit on and my favorite tie. I, my shoes are polished. I've got my Bible. I've got my notes. The Lord has given me a word, and I am ready to preach the roof off a place. I can. There's something that happens. I don't know. Some of you preachers might understand what I'm talking about. My guts on the inside shake. There's times when my bones shake, like Jeremiah said. They're like the, the fire of God is inside my bones. I can just feel it's just kind of like, ooh, ooh. It's kind of like almost like a fight, but it's different. I kind of feel it a little bit right now. Yeah. And I, I feel this expectancy and this power and this anointing and this authority resting on me. And the place is packed. And I'm not talking about a regular place. I'm talking about a giant warehouse with tens of thousands of people there and movie camera, TV cameras and all that. Dr. Morocco's preaching. I've shared this dream before. Dr. Morocco's preaching, and he has to, he's, he's, he's about to intro me. He's like looking, you know, there's a lot of conversation that happens just with eye contact. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. So he kind of gives me a look. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm loaded for bear. Let's do it. He's like, okay. And so he, he continues talking. He's taking the offering or something. Well, right at that very inconvenient moment, I had to go to the bathroom. <laughs> happens. So I got up from my, my guest speaker seat. Actually, it was over here. <laughs> I got up from my guest speaker seat, and I had some armor bearer dudes, you know, people to make sure that I returned and everything was going to be okay. And I, I walked down this gigantic center aisle all the way to the back, all the way to the corner where I'm going to go use the facilities. And as I'm walking, I'm thinking to myself, man, this place is packed with people. Man, it's broadcasting all over the world. I'm having these thoughts. And I'm thinking, man, God is really strong in this place. And then I turn the corner and take a right. And as I walk a little further, I see a pocket of fire. But let me describe that. I see people wrecked under the power of God. They're lying on the ground. Some are weeping. Some are laughing. And it's like, as I see them, I'm thinking, wow, the Lord's really moving. I, I didn't see this up from up front. I'm like, wow, let me just kind of, I tried to step over it. And it was like a giant angel jumped me. I got bum rushed by an angel. Just knocked me straight to the ground. <laughs> and when I went to the ground, I mean, my tie got jacked, my shirt came up, my suit was all messed up, and I'm on the ground, and the usher guys, you know, the armor bearer dudes, they're trying to pick me up, but they fall out. And so we're stuck on the ground, my face is on the ground, and I'm saying to the Lord, um, I need to preach, I need to preach. Lord, Lord, let me up. I'm like, ah, ah, ah. It's more like this, ah. I can't get off the ground. It's like, you know, just about intro time for Pastor Daniel, guest speaker guy. I finally am able to get myself up. And when I get myself up, my clothes are straight jacked. 
Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Except there's no recovery. No, I mean like they're ripped, they're wrinkled, the tie's jacked up, my pants are messed up. I, there, there's no way I can go and preach in front of all these thousands of people and be on TV all over the world and bring the word of God because I just wasn't looking the part. I didn't feel comfortable about it. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? How many of you wear clothes that you enjoy wearing? I mean, how many like wearing stuff that you hate? Did you pick stuff that you hated tonight? No! You don't like wearing stuff that you hate, it makes you look really fat. How many like wearing stuff that makes you look like you're huge? Yeah, no! Right? Am I right? How many of you like wearing certain colors and other colors? You just like, it makes you look like you're dead. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Okay, so you're not wearing some, don't look at me like, like oh, oh, you're so full of ego. So are you. Give me a break. How many times did, go look at your phone. How many selfies you got on Instagram? Come on, go, go, go. How many times did you look in the mirror? Some of you need to look in the mirror. Some of you looked in the mirror too much. When you look at a picture, the first thing you look at is for you. Does you look good? You didn't even look at anybody. You don't even look at your wife. You just look at you. I look good. Oh, then, then you see her. And she's like, oh my gosh, terrible picture. You're like, no, it's good. Except of you. We better take that again. Or vice versa. The first person you look at when you look at a picture is you. How many of you know what I'm talking about? So I'm all messed up. I can't preach. I'm like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? And I'm like, I've got to go back to my hotel room. Instantly, I'm in my hotel room. You know, it's a dream. <laughs> I'm instantly in my hotel room. And now I am getting rid of my messed up clothes and I'm putting on some other clothes. With everything that I put on. The first thing I put on, and ripped my pants straight. The first leg and <laughs> I'm like, oh, another pair of pants. Put those on. I'm like, Yeah, got that one on it. He busted it. Almost killed him. Took an eye out with the button that shot across the room. And now I don't have a shirt that matches. And it's just one thing after another. Finally, I'm able to get it together where I don't totally hate the clothes I'm wearing. But at the same time, I don't really look good. But I've got to get back because it, I've got to preach. It's my turn to preach. And so I'm instantly back. I'm walking across the front. Dr. Morocco's been burning the clock for me because I've been gone for so long. He looks at me like... You know, he doesn't do that. You know, sometimes when you're tarred and feathered, just lead a parade. How many of you know what I'm talking about? If it doesn't go well, just rejoice. And so he's just rejoicing because the guest speaker's not here. And so I come in, he's like, oh, he's here. And so now he says, hey, we're, we're so glad tonight's a very special night. Now I sit down and I realize instantly my Bible and my notes are gone. Now it's one thing to just sort of flow and have a Holy Ghost service. Don't need any notes for that. But it's quite another thing to say something of detail and pull Hebrew roots and everything. You might have a brain that can work that way. I need some serious help from Mr. Notes. They're gone. So that's a little bit of a nightmare for a preacher, especially for me. And so I say to my armor bearer, dude, my Bible, it's back when we got messed up in the back. You remember that? The original messing up? It's back there. I'm sure it's back there. I'm going to go get it. So I tell him, I said, oh, go get it. And if I'm the armor bearer and that was the direction to go, he goes, all right. <laughs> and walks the wrong way. I'm like, tsht, tsht, dude. He just keeps going. He's gone like, you know. So now I've got no Bible, I've got no notes. And I'm being introduced and I realize my pants have a giant pee stain. I didn't pee, but it looks like that. I'm completely wet. Completely wet, I mean like completely wet and it's not the kind of pants where like maybe he's not wet, maybe he is, no, he's wet. So now I'm walking up, I've got no notes, my clothes are jacked, and I've peed myself, at least according to everybody else. And Dr. Morocco's like, and Pastor Daniel Bracken is here. I wake up in a cold sweat. 
And the Lord said to me, you can't make my spirit seeker friendly. And you have far too much invested in your ego. And I basically got corrected for wanting to look good in the flow of the Holy Ghost. I'm going to tell you something. Either you're going to be committed to the flow of the Spirit or you can be committed to looking good. You take your pick. If you're committed to looking good and being sharp and having that, just having it going on, then you just might not have the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. And if it's more important for you the way the clothes that you wear, I'm not, I don't think we should, I think we should dress well and be excellent at what we do and all of that. I'm not saying that. But if you have a schedule in your life that doesn't allow for the Holy Spirit to move because of your ego, your concern, and your control, then you're never going to have revival. You will never, ever, 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 never, ever have an outpouring in the Spirit if you're more concerned about your own self than the dove. And so I'm challenged tonight to take a look at the things in my life that might be a cage for the Holy Spirit. And I would venture to say that many of you God is talking to tonight as well. Lift your hands to Jesus. Come on, just lift your hands to Jesus. Maybe you have a fear of man. You're more concerned about man's opinion of you than God's. You have absolutely got an idol. Do you wrestle with that? Sometimes. Mostly, no. Got set free. Occasionally. Do you have things in your life that cause you to quench the Holy Spirit. You will never have freedom and you'll never have a manifestation of glory if you're cut and caged. Thanks for listening to King's Chapel, Alaska and Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passion is making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's life call and help us to be the personal, powerful and permeating church God's called us to be. Get in touch with us anytime at 907-357-2065, 907-357-2065 or online at kcalaska.com, kcalaska.com. Friend us on Facebook and follow Pastor Daniel's tweets at Alaska Revival.